0: Good morning and welcome. So glad you've joined us. Have a feeling lots of people are enjoying the three day weekend. And um, it's kind of a mixed feeling, you know, s- summer's ending and um, kids are going back to school, but it's also an exciting time. Let's open in prayer. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for your word. I thank you that Jesus is the word of God incarnate. Thank you, Lord, for giving us this love letter from your heart. May we treasure it. May we hide it in in our hearts. May we meditate on it. May we take the psalms as, um, as our worship manual. May we learn to pour out our hearts before you. And Holy Spirit, I ask you to come today and to speak to your people And I ask you to give them ears to hear what you want to say to them. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Well, we're finishing up the Psalms of summer. Today I have the privilege and the honor of sharing God's word with you. And we're going to actually um, focus on a psalm that is very near and dear to my heart. But I want to encourage—I know people during the summertime they travel and stuff. I want to encourage you, if you were gone for a few weeks this summer, you can go back. All of the messages, you know, they're on our app, they're on our website. And there was some really great messages this summer um, on God's steadfast love, on dealing with anger, um, <clears throat> so many different forgiveness, death, prayer. So, if you missed one, um, feel free to go back and listen to some of those messages because they were really powerful. You know, last week, uh, Jeff shared with us <clears throat> about victory. And I believe that as God's people, He is inviting us to walk in victory. Just as He was victorious over death and over the grave, over sin, um, He lives in us, and He is inviting us to be victorious overcomers. And today, um, I want to I talk about a psalm that, um, that there's a, a famous verse, it's one of, probably one of the most famous verses in the Bible, and it goes like this, be still and know that I am God. And that's going to be our theme for today, and I believe that God is inviting us, no matter what we go through in our life, I believe that he is inviting us to be still and and to know that he is God. And, and we can take comfort in that. No matter what we're going through in our lives. You know as a new believer. Um, as a young woman. You know I was 17 years old. And I became a Christian. And. <clears throat> at that time in my life. Um, I went to this church. And they, they sang hymns at that church. This was in Anaheim back in the 80's. And um. And and as a person who didn't grow up in the church and who had never heard those hymns, I'll tell you, I fell in love with the hymns. They they were so jam-packed with truth. They they were so beautiful and majestic. And so I, I began to sing these hymns. And it was very strange for me because I was really like a young kid into rock and roll and that kind of thing. But man, these hymns just really began to teach me the truth of God's word. And there's actually a, a hymn that I, that I want to share with you today. And it is a hymn that is very near and dear to my heart and it's called, It Is Well With My Soul. And the reason that I want to share this particular hymn with you is because one of the things that I love about the hymn writers you know when you think about these classic hymns like Amazing Grace when you read the backstory and you find out how that hymn was birthed you're like wow and so this particular hymn It Is Well With My Soul was actually written by a guy named Horatio Spafford and he lived during The 1800s he was from 1828 to 1888 now this guy right here you can see a picture of him Um, he was a very devout Christian and he was also a lawyer and he experienced a lot of success and he had properties and you know so he in his Christian life he you know he experienced the the joys of, of being very successful but then there was a point in his life where things started to turn. And, and, and there was a moment in time he lived in Chicago and these fires came and actually destroyed some of the real estate that he had invested in. Then he and his wife experienced the tragedy of losing their only son. And of course, you're, I mean, heartbroken. I know we have lots of people here Um, who've who've lost children, and it's it's a heartbreaking experience. I can't even imagine the depths of the pain of that. And then, to make matters worse, this man, Horatio Spafford, in an effort to bless his family, he sends his wife and his little girls on a trip back over to, to England to take a little break from all the pain and the stress of the loss that they had experienced <clears throat> and then horatio receives a a horrific telegram where he gets this news and his wife says to him i am the only one who survived and it turns out that there was the boat had some problems and his his daughters actually perished in this trip over To Europe. And I don't I I can't even imagine like the pain of that. (laughs) Like losing all of your kids. (laughs) But this is the incredible thing. He gets on a boat to go be with his wife. And as he's crossing over on the ship, this is where the song was birthed. When peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot thou hast taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. What an incredible response to tragedy. And the thing that I love about God's Word is that when you, when you begin to really dig into God's Word, and when the Holy Spirit breathes upon God's Word, it becomes alive in you, and it gives you the strength, and it gives you the courage, no matter what happens in your life. You're able to say, it is well with my soul, both in joy and in pain both in celebration and in heartache. And so today, I wanted to share this story with you because I've really come to this place in my life where I admire when I see people go through very difficult things and they don't lose their faith. In fact, they become stronger in their faith. And um, I, I just think those kind of people are, they're heroes to me. And so I wanted to share that story with you. But I also just wanted to mention to you you know, this song was birthed in a place of sorrow and suffering. And Horatio learned the secret of being still and knowing that God is available in times of prosperity and in deep grief. And we can turn to him and find protection and strength in our moment of deepest need. And so with that, I want to enter into Psalm chapter 46 today. And I hope that you will take this psalm, and not only this psalm, but many of the psalms, you will take them to your heart and they will help you no matter what you go through in your life. So, Psalm 46, we're going to read verses 1 through 3. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, even though the earth be removed and though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea, Though its waters roar and be troubled, though the mountains shake with its swelling, Selah." And so I love how this song begins. It begins with a bold declaration of who our God is. Our God is our refuge. He's the place where we run during difficult times. He's a refuge. And he gives us strength no matter what we face. <clears throat> He's a very present help when we go through difficult things. And I, the thing that I love about this particular psalm is that, you know, a refuge, when you think, I don't know what, word, uh, what ideas come to you, but I love this, you know, in the olden days, and even you go to Europe and different, you know, a refuge is it's like a it's a safe place where people would feel when their enemies were coming against them. It was the place that they could feel safe and they could feel protected. And I I looked up on um, what the meaning of the word refuge is and it says shelter or protection from danger or distress that which shelters or protects from danger or distress or calamity, a stronghold which protects by its strength, or a sanctuary which secures safety by its sacredness, a place inaccessible to an enemy. And so when, we're, when our lives are shaken, when we're going through challenges and troubles, where do you run? How many of you felt the earthquake a couple weeks ago? Yeah, everything starts shaking. Where did you run to? Did you get under a table like, um, like your phone told you to do? Did you go in the doorway? Did you run outside? Where, where did you go when all of a sudden your world is shaking? And unfortunately, a lot of us, sometimes when we're going through difficult things, we don't run to God. We run to, I don't know, chocolate or Netflix or, you know, different, different things, right? But I, I really wanna encourage you to, to understand that you can run to God and that Him, you can feel the safety and the protection that you need. Well, you don't have to live in fear. I'm gonna say that again. You do not have to live in fear. As children of God, as God's people, fear is not our portion. God is raising up his people to be people who are courageous, who do not live in fear, but they live in the faith and in the love that God has for them, and that gives them a sense of security no matter what happens around us. And so I love that about this scripture and it reminded me of this Proverbs. It says, the name of the Lord is a strong fortress. The godly run to him and are safe. That's where you go when, you know, the earth's shaking, the seas are crashing. You know, there's all this talk of, of, of natural disasters and an economic crisis. The place that we go to find stability, strength, safety, and protection is to our God because he's a strong tower, he's a refuge for us. You know, it's a bit unnerving when natural disasters are being predicted. Our sense of safety is shaken. You know, the weather, it's unpredictable. My son called me the other day from Florida and he's like, Mom, please pray because we're expecting a hurricane. And I could tell he was a little bit shaken. Um, Stock markets crash. Governments change. Where is your trust and your confidence? God reminds us in Psalm 46 to be still and know that he is god and i find great comfort in that when i put that into practice i find great comfort in that and i love that at the end of this section you know this verse i uh, this whole chapter it, it's it's like a it's like a tide it's like an ocean tide that ebbs and flows it 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 tells us great promises of who God is. He's our refuge and our strength. A very present help. We can come to him when we need help, when we're in trouble. But then it talks about the mountains, you know, falling into the depths of the sheet sea and the and the and the ocean, you know, and, and so you you get like this ebb and this flow in this verse, where there's like bad news and then there's really good news, and then there's bad news, and then there's really good news. And this section ends with these words, Selah. Jeff touched on them last week when he was um, doing his message. And Selah has the idea of pause, reflect, praise. And so this, um, this particular chapter Actually does uses say la several times. And sometimes I feel like we're so busy and we're running around and we're doing all this stuff, but we, we seldom take time to pause and to reflect and to praise. But that's actually exactly what we need to do when we're going through difficult times. And I'm pretty sure Horatio Spafford. As he was crossing that sea, he paused and he reflected. And that's where that song was birthed, out of his pain and out of his turmoil. <clears throat> Let's move on to verse 4 and 5. <clears throat> there is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy place of the tabernacle of the Most High, God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God shall help her just at the break of dawn. I love this imagery of a river. If you read through the Bible, you will see rivers flowing all throughout all 66 books. In fact, the first time you hear about a river is in Genesis chapter 2. And there's some really significant things that happen at rivers. You know, there's crossings of rivers, you know, there's encounters with angels next to rivers, there's rivers parting. Um, and so you see this idea of a river kind of flowing all throughout the scripture. But here, the psalmist, he talks about this river whose streams make glad the city of God. <clears throat> and I don't know about you, but when I go to a river, I love, I love rushing water, still water too, you know, lakes, rivers. It, it's so refreshing, so revitalizing. It, it brings you joy, you know, when you go to the river. Rivers are, they're filled with life, and they're filled with movement, and um, and they just bring us joy. I know for me, um, I just, I love to to, you know to go down to the river and there's so many songs about you know, take me to the river, you know getting baptized just different things So so the river of God it makes us glad It says the holy place the, the holy place of the tabernacle of the most high and And here's the thing when we think about the city of God, you know, actually We are the city of God Because you and I are his dwelling place. He lives within us. And when we come together as as a community, we are his his city. We're we're where he lives. It says God is in the midst of her. Obviously, the psalm was referring to, you know, Jerusalem back when it was written. Um, But rivers are a source of life. And, And at some point, you know, God... The thing that I love about this particular, this, this particular piece is it says God is in the midst of her. God is in our midst. And the idea that I really wanted you to get today as we were going through this psalm was the idea that God wants to live with you. He wants to dwell with you. That, that's the whole reason why Jesus came, is to share his life with you you know, and, and and I love that, it's like you know, it says, it's funny it uses this word, the holy place the tabernacle of the most high in one of the translations in John chapter 1, it says Jesus tabernacled amongst us that means he made his dwelling place, well if you go back into the Old Testament, you know um, God had them build this ark and and, and they camped around the ark. And that was, that ark was where God dwelt. God has this longing in his heart to dwell with us, to live with us, to make his home with us. And, he, and, and you see that all throughout scripture. So it says God is in her midst and he'll help her. He'll help her early in the morning at the break of dawn. Let's go on to the next section. Verses six through seven. Now here we go. and You know, we just left the good news. Now, now look at The nations raged. The kingdoms were moved. He uttered his voice. The earth melted. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. So now we go back to this. Oh, it's very unsettling. The nations are raging. The kingdoms are being shaken. Um... And you know, I had a conversation with um, our, our missionaries in Slovakia, Noah, and Noah, a couple of weeks ago. And he was telling me, you know, over there, he, and he lives very close, they're, they're neighbors with Ukraine, okay. And so he said to me, he said, you know, um, right now our government has collapsed. We don't have a government right now. We're moving into elections. And then he says to me, you know, the thing is, we're having these elections, but the guy who's probably going to win is being paid by the Russians. So he's going, you know, I mean, it's, there's just this sense of like instability, right? It's like, um, there's no government right now and probably the one that's going to come in. And then just, you know, his neighbors, the Ukraine, there's a war going on, Ukraine and Russia, right? So, I mean, you think about that. I mean, that, that kind of thing it creates a sense of insecurity, of instability, like what's gonna happen? The, the Slovakians are basically holding their breath, wondering when you know, the Russians might try to come and invade their nation, right? And so then they did it before, not that long ago, right? So there's just, you, you like kind of go, wow, you know, what's gonna happen here? But this is the amazing thing that he told me. He told me that he was in a conference in Poland And he said that there was a Ukrainian pastor there that came to testify what God was doing in Ukraine. And actually the people of Ukraine, the church in Ukraine was crying out to God in the middle of the war. And crying out to God for Ukraine but also for the Russian people. And guess what, people who normally don't go to church, lots of men as a matter of fact, are showing up to church in Ukraine. I bet you didn't hear that on the news. So you see, God is using I know isn't that incredible? God is using this war to bring about some things and, and 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 so I love that, but I guess what I'm trying to say, the nations raged, the kingdoms were moved. like there's a sense of things really being really unsettled right now and and, 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 I, and I just I just feel like God is wanting to give us the ability, no matter how shaky things come, to understand that he uttered his voice and the earth melted. I mean, God speaks and an iceberg turns into a puddle, you know? Um, None of these things are too big for God to change, you know? And so, and so where is my trust? Where is my hope? My hope is in the Lord of hosts. And that word, Lord of hosts, the Lord of angel armies. Yes, and guess what? He is with us. He's with us. God wants to be with us in the middle of whatever we're going through. You know, he, and, and, and this to me, the fact, to me, this is one of the absolute greatest promises that God gives us, to be with us. He doesn't want to just give us gifts. He wants to be with us. He wants to give us himself. And there's so many times in the scripture where God tells his people, or he tells a leader, I'm going to be with you. He said it to Moses. Moses. And when Joshua took over the leadership position, he said, I will be with you. Be strong and courageous, I will be with you. Over and over and over, God says, I'm gonna be with you. And guess what Jesus' name was? Emmanuel, God with us. He wants to be with us. Are you getting the idea that he's with you? Yeah, and this is what he told the disciples when he sent them out to do the great commission and to baptize people and to teach them. He he said, lo, I will be with you. He didn't say, you guys go out and do this on your own. Let me report back to me when you're all done. No, he said, I will be with you to the end of the age. That's God's promise. He's with us. And to me, that is one of the greatest things, that he is with us. The God of Jacob, and that's another name for Israel. He's he's one of the patriarchs. The God of Jacob is our refuge. (sighs) Selah. Pause. Rest. Praise. Because he's with you. Verse, seven, verse 8 and 9. Come, behold the works of the Lord who has made the desolations in the earth. He makes wars to cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and cuts the spear in, tr- in two. He burns the chariot in the fire. I was thinking about, you know, um, this phrase right here, he makes wars to cease. He makes wars to cease and, and, and I know, you know, as I was thinking, I was thinking about war, you know, and of course there's been wars all throughout the centuries. But the, the, the two wars that kind of came to my mind, this is a ticker tape parade. Man, what joy and celebration. You, you know, when the end of the First World War came, man, there was so much joy and excitement that came with the end of the war. You know, and, 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 and the same thing happened with the end of World War II. He's the one who makes wars to cease. The men came home, uh, the cities were rebuilt, and there was a huge sigh of relief when the wars ceased. And, and and I believe that this is what's on God's heart. He wants to end the wars, but He's actually the only hope that we have that wars will cease. You know, but I, I love that I love this imagery. And let's move on to the key point for today. Let's move to Psalm forty six, verse ten and eleven. It says. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Selah. Be still. Wow, that's challenging, isn't it? Be still. We have a really hard time being still. I've been working with the junior hires and I've been teaching them about this, this idea of learning to be still so that we can hear what God's trying to say to us. And it's, super, it's challenging for us as adults. Imagine them, you know? But I, I, I really feel like, you know, that... We, as a community of believers, we need to return to our spiritual roots and we need to learn the art of quietness and stillness, meditation and contemplation. And I know there's some older people here, you know, in our, in our, in our church, not pointing any fingers, I'm <laughs> pointing it back at myself. But I, I, one of the things that has really been a burden on my heart, which is why I'm doing it with the middle schoolers, is I'm like, we need to teach the younger generations to turn off all the, all the stuff and to learn to be still and to be quiet because our lives are so cluttered with so many, so many things. And you know, our you know, the people in the early church, there was a practice of, of contemplation and meditation. I mean, there were certain priests who took vows of silence and, and they would go live in these monasteries. You know, the, there, there, is a, there is a beauty and an art to, to learning to be still and to be quiet and to knowing that God is God. And you know, sometimes we're running around frantically trying to fix things, and we're, we get ourselves all worked up and all stressed out. And I don't know about you, but there's so many times in my life where I feel like God has called me aside, and he said, be still and know I am God. I'm doing something here. And a lot of times we don't understand what God is doing. We want to fix everything. We want to fix it for our kids. We want to to do all this stuff. And sometimes God's just like, slow down, chill out, be still, come to know me. Come to me, you who are weary and heavy laden. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. Rest, relax. I'm lowly and humble of heart. And, and, and I feel like God is just calling us aside to be still, especially when we're feeling super stressed out and feeling like we have to fix it. He promises that he will be exalted in the nations. That's what God is doing. He is He is inviting us to exalt him in the nations. As we are still, as we trust in him, as we we listen to what he's saying, as we're still, and we hear that still small voice, it guides us and it directs us in our life. You know, my mom and I had a really cool experience this week. I shared it with a few people in in the prayer room, but you know, we live, we live over in Somis. Um, we, we live on North Street. And uh, my mom and I, we walk the neighborhood several, several times during the week. And um, so this particular morning we were walking and there's always uh, several people who are out walking at the same time as us. And so we're always like, hey neighbor, you know, and we pray for, we pray for our, our, our neighbors and we do, you know, we pray for our family, different things. But anyway, we were walking, and we see one of our, you know, one of our neighbors, and she's walking right, right at us. We're like in the same line of, um, the same path. And, um, and all of a sudden, I get this overwhelming feeling. Like, I couldn't shake it. And, and I got this feeling, and it was like, you need to give her a hug. She's coming right at us. You need to give her a hug. And I'm like, oh, this is awkward. Like, I mean, we're walking and she's walking and we know we don't hug our neighbors when we're walking, but okay, I'm gonna give her a hug. And it was so beautiful because I reached out and I, I said, can I hug you? And she said, yes. And we began to hug her. She began to cry. And I was like, wow. And then we were like, are you okay? Like, is there, she had just lost her sister a few days before She's like, oh, I thought you guys knew. And I was like, no, I didn't know. But God knew. God knew that she needed a hug. And that's what happens when we're still and when we're paying attention. God prompts us to do things that we wouldn't normally do. And it might put us in an awkward position because, like, what if she said no? But it was beautiful. We had a chance to pray for her. And, and, and for God to like bring some comfort to her in the middle of her grief and her pain. And that's the value of, of being still and knowing that he is God. And that he, he was exalted that morning. I couldn't fix it for her. I couldn't take away the pain. But I could listen to him and give her a hug and pray for her to the one who could bring the comfort and that's how God is exalted. As, as his people step out and do the things that he's inviting us to do, he gets exalted. Can you imagine if every Christian and every church all over this nation and in the nations of the earth would just like do those kinds of things, the kind of impact that we could have on our community? He will be exalted on the earth. <clears throat> and he's with us And I just want to I just want to move into Kind of closing up this sermon Series and this is what I want to leave You with This idea that God is with Us and that he's he, he, He's Always wanted to be with us even From the very beginning You know it says that he walked With Adam in the cool of the day in, 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 in Eden and he, he, he hung out with him. He spent time with him. But if you look at um, Revelation, you know, chapter 21, we can see this idea. Um, there's good news. If you read the end of the book, you find out there's really good news. We're heading towards really good news, and this is the good news. Then I, John, saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them and they shall be his people and god himself will be with them and be their god and god will wipe away every tear from their eyes there shall be no more death nor sorrow nor crying there shall be no more pain for the former things have passed away this is how the this is the end of the story and you see the same theme God wants to be with us. He wants to dwell with us forever. He wants to be our God. And and can't you just see him like wiping away the tears and the sorrow off of Horatio Spafford's eyes? And those of you who've gone through tragic things and painful things, he, he wants to wipe away The tears, the pain, the sorrow of everything you've gone through. And if you look at, now this is the last, last chapter, Revelation 22. Look at this. And he showed me a pure river of water of life. As pure as crystal proceeding from the throne of God and of the Lamb. In the middle of its street and on either side of the river was the tree of life, which bore 12 fruits at each yielding, each tree yielding its fruit every month. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. That's the good news. There's a river whose streams make glad the city of God. It's the river of life. Well, it's interesting. When Jesus was here, one day he stood up and he he made this declaration to the people. He said, if any man thirsts, let him come to me and drink. And out of his innermost being will flow rivers of living water. And then right after that, it says, and he spoke of the spirit which was not yet because he had not yet ascended to the father. God is wanting to fill his people with rivers of living water so that we could go to a thirsty world and give them the drink, a drink of the river, of the water of life, that they could experience the power of the Spirit moving through our lives to their lives, taking away their thirst, wiping away their tears and their pain and their sorrows, bringing them into relationship with God who wants to dwell With them and so I don't know if you're new here today or I don't know maybe you're online and you've never invited Jesus into your life but I want to give you an opportunity because that's how you invite him in to dwell with you and I can help you with the words but you need to do it with your lips and from your heart And if you would say this prayer with me, it's the beginning of inviting God to come and dwell with you. Would you say, Lord Jesus, I repent for every wrong thing I've ever done. Please forgive me. Thank you that you died on the cross and that you rose from the dead. And right now, I ask you to come and to dwell in my heart and to be with me. Write my name in the book of life. And teach me how to be still and know that you are God. Be exalted through my life. In Jesus' name, amen.